Welcome to the Four Thoughts of Our Founders, the podcast for the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. We are practitioners, scholars, researchers, seeking to find like-minded individuals committed to creating a rich cultural capital for the sole benefit of this sacred space. Most importantly, we are zealots at health zealots for this sacred space got some really special returning guests here today not gonna belabor the point we're talking all things covid and mental health and covid and god want to welcome dominique robinson dr dominique robinson and dr ray lundy welcome back to the podcast people how y'all well, doing? Really good. Everything cool? Yeah. Good, good. Uh, COVID-19, since the last time we uh, had a chance to really sit down and uh, fellowship and, um, and, and geek out. <laughs> um, COVID-19 has, uh, has ravaged the globe, not just here at Wiley. Um, and so we want to have some conversations today about what that looks like. Um, I was watching CNN last night and there was the director from Duke Medical Center um, and the director of mental illness. And there was this whole conversation. Actually, it was CNN with uh, my man, Chris Cuomo. And he had this director on there talking about mental health uh, illnesses related to uh, COVID-19. So um, and obviously, there's huge uproar about religion and COVID-19. So just wanted to have a conversation today about what COVID-19 has done in your spaces. First, as uh, vocationalists, uh, folks who are here at Wiley College, uh, and how you've had to service students, faculty, and staff, uh, we have a very... Uh, similar in some instances, there's almost 50,000 people who have lost someone or 50,000 lives that have been lost. Uh, and we're in that, that number, our family. Um, but it's also um, not so familiar to some people. So wanna want to just talk about what happened, what had happened when we initially started uh, this process. Did we ever imagine that we'd find ourselves dealing, grappling with, wrestling with uh, the issues that we're dealing with? The answer is no. I don't think any of us could have imagined how quickly things would change, mm -hmm. um, particularly our students. They were caught off guard, and you're asking about what we did. We had to quickly um, provide support around how do you adjust to transitions, how do you cope with grief, um, and then how how do you manage anxiety? That's a major thing that I've yeah. had to assist students with. Even before that, you all were instrumental in helping the, co the college actually make the decision. Like, we relied on you all for data about how do we even talk about um, the step that we took you know, closing the campus down um, and transitioning people and helping folks. What was that like when when we were in the the infant stages of making a decision? Um, what what did it, what did that feel like to you all? Um, for me, it felt. Uh, I think it was the first time I felt like the the heaviness or the weight that I imagined. Um, presidents must feel in terms of deciding the fate of an entire population of people. Mm -hmm. You have to decide, okay, how do I keep people safe? Um, I do it day to day on a, on a, on a basis where um, I'm concerned about mental health, I'm concerned about physical health, but I think it's more, um, you know, it's tailored to that specific client mm -hmm. or that specific patient. When you have to think, okay, this decision I'm about to make will impact hundreds of families um so it for me it was it was really heavy and there was a lot of unknown uh, a word that i'm sure we'll get to throughout our throughout our talk today mm -hmm. um will be about trauma so for me it was like the first stage dr robinson hears me say this all the time i talk about coping with trauma it's a thing where that 
as um as black people we have had our fair share of trauma yeah and so yeah yeah since 1619 yeah it was my way of 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 um kind of gently introducing this topic of um you know we are a people who have had to learn to cope and so yeah early on i i felt an uneasiness that said okay this isn't gonna be easy yeah yeah um i have to admit personally vocationally it was this is my first academic year in this role at wiley college and the second semester is being cut off mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you were a little hot I, Oh. La bother with Rona. Yeah, Rona. Well, <laughs> this one makes sure that this, I was placed in the right area. Yeah, you know, yeah, Rona, Rona, yeah, Rona, definitely. Rona got to go. Yeah. Um, and so moving from the day-to-day uh, counseling, programmatic kind of thrust to acute crises management um, and assisting persons like uh, Dr. Lunny said or like Ray said with the transition. And so uh, I remember being in text threads with pastors who were basically saying, we're not canceling church on Sunday, we should be all right. And knowing how important it was for us to make the actual opposite decision in the higher education institute, where I'm like, these pastors gonna have to make these same decisions too. Like, it, it, you know, for them, I realized they were trying to make the decision about coins mm-hmm. and we were focused on safety of people. And so for me, it was a matter of choosing between, you know, priest and prophet and CEO like are you going to be focused on the coins and so I immediately for me went into executive pastor mode praying for leadership the decisions have to be made God give them wisdom discernment and courage to make decisions whether or not people understand God we need you to keep everybody safe and so I know I went immediately into that role here at Wiley and then the communication and conversations we had with students of uh, there so many questions and un, you know like you yeah. said, unknown trying to figure it out and being we were intentional about not just evacuating our students, mm-hmm. but making sure they were going somewhere safe. Yeah, we, we were so intentional about that and making the calls and pulling in the, the, the coins, the money, and the drives, um, just calling people who were in different states to see what was going on. But the fact that we were intentional about, we just, we're not just trying to get you out of here. We also want you to be somewhere safe. And so, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many of our administrators and faculty and staff did either drive someone to the airport or the bus station or the train station or dug into their pockets personally, which they, you know, didn't have to do. But um, yeah, it was it was it was the intentionality of it was probably for me the best part about it um, because as though. As we try to anticipate every um, scenario that will pop up, invariably every day a different one would pop up in terms of logistics and getting people to a place and, you know, uh, all those things. So we so we move from the notion to reality and there's this week where I think I I call it the fog of war. Mm where we said, okay, you have a week to get acclimated to um, being online. You're gonna do it here on campus. Um, And so that way we can work bugs out. We're gonna make sure everybody has computers, but there was this fog of war around the campus. How, how, what did that look like for you all with respects to seeing students and what were some of the challenges or issues that um, that you guys found um, I, at your doorsteps? I think we went into immediate extended hours. Whatever mm-hmm. kind of hours we thought we were having mm-hmm. weren't, weren't happening. Um, and we as a campus were moving into spring break, but students were still finding places to go. And so even when, quote unquote, we maybe didn't have to, so to speak, be in the office, we were around the clock and just, just being present for whatever was needed. Um, I had students who just went, they came to play instruments and sing as their way to say goodbye and went live on Facebook. And so it was early in the morning and then again, it was later on in the evening, whatever was was necessary. And then to be present when parents were coming and picking them up just to to wave and say hello. And so so I think we went right into immediate 24 hour, you know, access. Um, And we would say we were resting, but the truth is we take our work home with us, whether we're, you know, honest with it. And so just praying and constant contact and communication. And so I think what, 
we what I saw and what we continuously see is after collective trauma, particularly within the United States of America, this resurgence of faith mm-hmm. or religion or uh, this understanding of a larger deity in control because you realize this is no longer in your control you yeah, can't control no this doubt. so no you're doubt. trying to find an answer and god seems to be maybe the, the easiest answer right now whether it's anger understanding whatever you need to blame somebody or give somebody some sort of responsibility and so there was this resurgence of students um can i pray can, can i just want to come by the chapel and, yeah and, you know so uh, are you around can i just you know things of that nature mm-hmm. i would say also related to that um when they were feeling angry, when they were feeling confused and anxious um, and not knowing how to deal with that, those are the things that they brought to my office. And so sometimes students just didn't even have the words. And I um, I always do this, but in particularly during that week was encouraging them to feel whatever they were feeling. Um, we are often told or given the notion that it's not okay to cry it's not okay to um, be anxious or, or nervous but this is a situation that none of us have lived through before so giving yourself permission to yeah. feel exactly what you're feeling is actually the first step in um, maintaining a sense of emotional stability during this time you know in a lot of ways what 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 played out was the fact that we are not in control and what I mean by that is, I mean, it was a clear, um, resounding assertion that we're not in control because people thought they had more time to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. People thought they had two sixty some odd days left before they walked across the stage and say goodbye. And now you had to deal with where am I going? Why am I going? And... I'm leaving, it's all over, and I don't get to have the rest of my my senior year. Yeah, I was gonna say our seniors, <laughs> those were, I've, I have, um, there's empathy we have for all of our students. Yeah. And, and many of my conversations though have been with seniors dealing with the grief and loss. Um, that's been just, the grief and loss that we as a Wiley family have experienced because we've lost a loved one, but also the seniors, um, just across the board, we've had to talk about how do you create closure when you didn't get to physically say goodbye. We've had yeah. to, we've had to, you know, um, write letters. We've had to, you know, talk about how do you go into a, the next chapter and been very intentional about um, creating rituals around around mm. that. But it's been hard, and they're yeah. st- and they're still struggling. Yeah, and one of the things I actually really really appreciate about our students is the fact that once they got home they realized we too were impacted it was Mm -hmm. one of those moments like oh wait yeah (laughs) i'm appreciative of you all offering your services and calling and reaching out but how are you doing dr lundy how are you doing dr robinson i've seen the people commenting on you know their posts dr felton we didn't understand you know what you were doing two weeks ago but we do appreciate it so i love the fact that there was this even in the midst of the transition even in the midst of the unknown there was something like Oh, there was this epiphany of I get it. Yeah, like I get it. It was out of you all's control, and you all are just as impacted. So it was like you were saying this this assertion for all of us. None of us are in control of anything, and yet, how do we, as administrators, mm-hmm. as practitioners, as people of God, still offer care and love even when we don't know? So this pushing past our own grief and our yeah. own questions to still be present. I think that this. Their ability, our students' ability to recognize that we were going through too gave us an opportunity to be vulnerable in ways. I know in our previous um, podcast discussions, we talk about the importance of vulnerability. Who's going to be vulnerable? I'm not, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We've all been vulnerable in this season, and we've had to be. Look at these edges. Because I. I'm glad I have my own barber. I swear (laughs) to God, this is one time where I'm glad. That I have been rocking a ball head since <laughs> 1990. So, yeah. No, yeah Vulnerability yeah, on yeah. many levels out well, here. And I think we'll get into this probably a little bit later. But, you know, since we've transitioned to virtually providing our services, mm-hmm. um, that's meant that, you know, 
I am providing teletherapy in my home. So talk about being vulnerable, right? Like I tend not to, my, my home is like sacred space and not everybody gets to come in there. Well, my clients are in there and they're with me on a daily now. And so I've had to, things that you don't even pay attention to um, as it relates to your personal experiences, clients are like, oh, Dr. Lundy, I didn't know that about you. I didn't realize that um, they get to see you in a different light. And I think that that's been helpful for them um, as they've been going through their own transition. Yeah. The, you know, this, this, the, the variables that um, come into play now are just um, really extraordinary because now we're, we're talking about preparing for worst case scenario, no school in the fall, mm-hmm. right? School, but virtual. Virtually. School, but virtual, right? But it's not school if, you know, if the munchkins ain't here, yeah. you know, on campus, you know, it's, it's just not the same. It's, uh, you know, devoid of the th- that special sauce you get to feel and see the special sauce when the when the people are here um but i want to transition into um what does this type of isolation unbeknownst uh unwarranted unmerited um isolation do to the mind and and the spirit like what 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 does this this do to us what 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 have been the experiences that you're you're facing so we are wired for connection with others psychologically that is a need we have even introverts yes okay every human okay is wired for that to to be loved to belong and to be liked those are some basic core needs that we have and so when we are um sheltering at home and um being given instructions to social distance it goes against our natural inclination to connect with others mm-hmm. and it um isolation feelings of isolation and loneliness are uh, symptoms of depression and so this is a time where um we're all at risk for developing a mood disorder interesting um and so that that's the immediate thing that comes to mind however i will say that uh for for introverts, since you brought that up, social media and our ways of engaging online have uh, become new ways for introverts. Uh, oftentimes, as an introvert, I would turn my social media off. I would have to limit my um, email notifications. And yet, in this time, because we're wired for connection, we're having to find and maintain ways of engaging with other people that maybe you wouldn't always be as open to doing mm-hmm. yeah and i would also you know just in, again gray matters using collaborations right we're not even just you know psychologically and emotionally wired to be together so we are biblically as well people um you know from the very beginning we hear you know god is speaking to god's counsel said let us make man who was who god talking to they, he, god is up there speaking to a council of people then creates adam and then creates Eve because there is a need to be connected and with someone. And as we go on and, and just go through the biblical text, we find that family becomes this core value. And it's about being connected to people. We move to the, the birthing of the church, the ecclesia, right? Being called out to be together. Um, and there's, there's a scripture that says, forsake not the the union, the community. And so we are wired to be together and, and, and to be with people, I think, um, along the lines of Dr. Lundy was sharing with the, these elements of isolation, that's a reminder for you to even be in community with God. Yeah. And so, you know, um, what we really have to learn is even the best of us, those of us who were the healthiest mentally, the healthiest emotionally, are being triggered by this time in this space. Because as an introvert, um, one of the things that I've had to change vocationally, professionally, was these blurred lines of how I did not engage students via social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did. I, there was. I, I didn't. You weren't following me when I was a youth pastor. The youth weren't. You. You know. It, that that has had to change because. In light of where we are, in order to yes, and in order to be in community, accessibility is important. Mm -hmm. And so, whatever that means, and again, in them getting to know us by whoever we present ourselves to be on social media, and for for those of us who have to, which could be scary, which could be scary, right? And but it's it's pushing, it's really pushing the envelopes again, reminding us of how much we're not in control of things. And so, for a person like me who would have preferred to quote unquote preach in person now to preach or speak via IG Live is requiring this presentation of who I am on a social media platform that I probably would have 
curtail for the Lenten season or as a fasting towards Pentecost. And so it, it's changed everything. And we are learning to be okay with change and manage it or accept it. And that's, I think yeah. we're in that season of professionally, personally, family-wise, um, you, you can wake up and say you're having a good day and your mood change midday and you mm-hmm. have to be okay with that mood shift or that energy energy shift and Absolutely. determining then how you're going to navigate throughout the rest yeah. of the day. Um, and so I think that, again, being reminded that because we are social distancing, or I'm sorry, physically yeah. distancing. We're physically distancing. Doesn't mean, we're not, and I think what Dr. Lundy was lifting up is we might be physically distancing, but we still need to pay attention to the fact that we are wired to be social. Mm-hmm. And to connect with someone, um, and again, even for the extreme <laughs> introverts like myself, who you know, I was in the house straight ten, eleven days, and Dr. Lenny was like, "You gonna open a window? You gonna open the door? I, just I, needed, the her, I needed her you know, to have some fresh air." I didn't I even like, realize. Literally, she didn't come out the house. I was like, "Please open a door. Oh, I, I, I need you to get a breeze." I, but you were comfortable. Oh, okay. I didn't even. I hadn't even realized the count. But you know, yeah, Dr. Okay. Lenny's the therapist. Yeah. I was gonna say in my days. mind, I was like. Mm, yeah. Are you really? I need you to get some fresh air. Yeah. So, you know, and That's then when hilarious. she saw me, she was like, oh, she really is. Okay. So, note to self, but Lundy is probably, you know, walking past, putting some tire marks on the car to make sure that, that you're moving yeah. and all that good stuff. Counting, good friend. Good, good friend. Absolutely. Well, you talk good about friend. walking, though. That, that, I, I'm, I have every single day um, gotten out of the house. And maybe I was projecting the need for fresh air onto you because I, in the morning and in the evening, need to move uh, just in order to help with my own emotional um, balance. And I was able to stay connected. Maybe you mentioned being connected to God. I connect with God when I'm in nature. So that was a way for me to um, stay connected and to check on Dr. Robinson and make sure she was okay in the house. Good. How How do we not lose um, because anxiety is coming in. Um, I I would imagine that because of what we don't know, um, being a Marine, we we call that the fog of war. We know the enemy is out there. We have no idea where they're at. We have no idea how we're going to combat them. We are prepared as we have now made ourselves prepared. We're prepared to fight Rona, but um, you know, the anxiety that comes with that. How do we how do we manage anxiety from a mental health perspective and, and, and a spiritual perspective? Yeah, we become what's called hyper vigilant. So always on alert. Jeez. And when you're hyper vigilant, again all of those precursors cursors to other mood concerns, um, you know, your cortisol levels are increasing. It's just not a, a great space to be in order to combat that. Um, I usually encourage being more mindful, connecting to your body, engaging in what we call like grounding activities. So your senses, when you connect to your five senses, it gives you a sense of safety. Except for y'all back up off the tasting. You don't have to keep eating. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on actually, it depends on what you're eating. Dr. Lenny, can you share what are some of the, so people are clear, is this anxiety? What are some of the symptoms or behaviors yeah okay that's a great question anxiety looks different for for Mm -hmm. everyone which is why i said you really need to be mindful and connected to your and grounded for yourself Mm -hmm. for me um anxiety looks like my stomach shutting down i don't eat so we talk about um tasting things i literally have no appetite um (laughs) but for other people um eating more than you would normally eat is a a symptom since y'all listening y'all you don't have to become an alcoholic during the pandemic it it will not be an excuse it is not it could also be physiological you can have increased heart rate say that word again for the people again it could be what physiological my god i mean i mean i get lost in physics so that looks like Perhaps insomnia, not mm. able to sleep at night, mm-hmm. um, your mind continuing to race. So then that becomes cognitive, but physiologically sweating, um, uh, shortness of breath. Mm. Those are some of prob- shortness of breath, uh, heart rate increasing. Those are the common ones that I think people associate with anxiety. Does but that even move into panic attack? It can move into panic so attack. can you speak a little bit about, so some of our students have talked about this, I think you and I would call it like the cognitive Fog, yes. being unable to focus mm-hmm. would that would you say that that was rooted in and, and that anxiety. could be anxiousness as well so mm-hmm. really when we're anxious our executive functioning um, slows down so the front part of your brain 
it shuts off. So thinking clearly, um, making executive decisions. So, so this goes back to the academic adjustment we had our students make. We're asking them to still be on Canvas, still do your homework, and in the midst of all the anxiety they're experiencing, being able to think clearly becomes challenging. I always feel, so I have been encouraging our students ask questions of your professors if you need some assistance you know we've been as a community really trying to help support our students and knowing what I know psychologically people are not engaging we don't even have capacity to be mm. at our best because of are, the anxiety because of the anxiety and the the collective trauma and the pandemic that we're going right. through and and as people of color we need to be mindful that this anxiety is really a base a root cause for the other depression and other mood mm -hmm. disorders and what we see physically the weight gain all that jazz mm -hmm. so which is why we're saying it's important to manage at least acknowledge yes and try to manage and cope through the anxiety so that it, it doesn't shift to anything else. And something I've been noticing spiritually, um, and I think it's naturally too, anxiety is contagious. Oh, uh, yeah. So when you are... Oh, my goodness, yeah. When you are in a home um, with other persons mm -hmm. and you all have your different triggers, mm -hmm. questions of stability and food insecurity and things, that, that home becomes anxiety-ridden. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm wanting to encourage those of you who are in houses, um, don't be like me, you know, just stay in. But when you're in houses with other people, take the moments to extend grace to yourself mm -hmm. and, and grace to others that you're in the midst with because you all are experiencing this very differently from different lenses. And so that's why, I, that, thank you, Dr. Lenny. I wanted people to acknowledge this anxiety thing. At this point, I almost feel like nobody has been exempt from this, this yeah. trigger of anxiety. Often anxiety and depression get, are given the, the notion or the stigma that depression is just you being sad and mm -hmm. that anxiety is just you being nervous, mm -hmm. and it's more than that. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you asking the question because it allows us to expound upon it a little bit more, mm -hmm. and, and, and it, it legitimizes it. Mental health, uh, the mental health feel often as a clinician, I am giving the, the spill or the elevator pitch that this is real, that it's not just in your head. This is not just something that you talk away right. in the sense that you just are more positive about it. So talk therapy is a thing, but um, we as a community minimize, we minimize mental health concerns. And I think this is, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic has forced us to say, okay, this is, these are things that we have to consider if we want to heal, if we want to bounce back, if we which we will absolutely um but moving beyond the pandemic means that we have to get connected back spiritually and mentally and emotionally which are things that that never left they've always been there um we've i think just diverted our attention to other things mm -hmm. yeah and we have to and you know the anxiety shows up spiritually too um when you find yourself you know i've, I've heard some people and i can even admit that i've had my own experience of i don't even know how to pray i, I don't even know what to say yeah what you like God, you, you see this, you see all of this, what is there for me to say or do or ask, uh, just, you know, we're quoting scriptures and listening to songs. And if, and if there's a component of who I am as a faith leader is to offer hope. And I know you feel like things are hopeless mm -hmm. and it's hard for me to make sense of this for you. You, you, you need to know that even your anxiety shows up in your prayer life and your spiritual life where you just feel kind of stuck, unable to articulate. And I think the thing that we want to encourage you to do is to at least start, just try, um, get to, 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 you ain't you ain't gotta have a monologue or you know this long uh eloquent language to speak to god just start with the god i need help yeah um and it's okay to cry um I've, I've always believed that our tears have been our very first language as babies um it helps us to release stress um and to and have a moment of relief um and i think that we have to remind people that it's okay to lament because of the amount of loss and grief that we've had, oftentimes people of color, we use anger as a crutch emotion. That's the, the first emotion we either go to yeah. or articulate and express. And we find that in expressing pain or grief or loss, that it's a weakness. Mm -hmm. And right now it's not. And that, that for me, that has been one of the biggest hits, so to speak, to the church. Okay. Is this space where we were at least able to mourn corporately cannot occur anymore particularly because here's the one thing we know in the midst of a pandemic is somebody's going to die yeah. mm. that's the that's that's the one thing we know somebody somebody is going to die today 
Um, I wish it were different. I'm praying for a difference. We all are. That's the one thing we know, but we can't mourn and lament the way we were accustomed to and doing. And I think part of the special sauce that Dr. Delta was speaking about is the same thing we're sensing in the church is this ministry of presence. The campus isn't the same without the students because we don't see you in this moment of presence. You know, you're doing teletherapy, but it's different when you can see them in person, read yeah. their body language. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, and we can pick up energy different, your spiritual sense different when you're, you know, in our presence. Um, and so um, I think we're going to need to create a space when this is all over and even maybe digitally a space to mourn. I know you're doing um, some group sessions uh, for support where it gives people the space to lament and mourn. And for myself, every Friday, the students are doing a spiritual kickback where they just, whatever it is, just sharing and getting it out. And I think as we were sharing, one, we want to give you permission to acknowledge how you're feeling, recognize that there's accessibility to connect with somebody, um, but also give you a platform to share what it is you're feeling in safe and brave space. Yeah. I, I just... <clears throat> I just um, what I what I've found um, in dealing with parents um, and students, faculty and staff, um, the uncertainties around this again, as we've talked about it, the variables change, um, the need to be fluid is paramount, um, and nuanced in this this grief is uncertainty, but there is. Um, there are there are things that trigger this anxiety and grief and all that stuff. Job security hmm. and the lack thereof, mm-hmm. or the uncertainty of it. Um, I can't provide for the ones who are at home. Why are you sending this one home? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go home because the environment is not safe for me. What are some of the things that you hear that might be, um, you may be able to provide lenses for uh, for our listeners and how they may be able to help folk who they are around or themselves cope with um, these, these challenges that we're having. I was also watching the news, is this pop-up food um, chain or, or organization that popped up in Florida and did um, 400 families, um, gave 15, 20 pounds of food. They came back the next time and did almost 1,300. But this time they were talking to the families and people were in dire need. No food, no job, no money. The triggers and the anxiety around that. What have you, have you faced um, any any stories that might be beneficial for others uh, that you might be able to share? Well, I think many of our students, um, for many of our students, going home was not just, um, they weren't just resistant because of school ending early and missing their friends. Home, for some, is not the safest place home for some is not the space where they feel like they thrive. What we've had to do in discussions in our sessions has been to talk about how do I create safety where I am? Mm-hmm. Um, also, what do I do um, if my needs aren't getting met and I'm, and I'm in crisis? Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a thing. We've had to work through crisis plans. Um, we've had to, to talk about alternative living arrangements um we thought we were going home with mom or dad no now we're going to be at aunt and uncle grandparents home um this sense that essentially we haven't said this today but creating a new norm um and that norm also would include what what where is my family unit going to be and defining that and for each for each of the students that I've been working with where we've had to create a safety plan, um, there's been sadness around that because the idea that I'm supposed to be able to go and be with mom and dad. Mom and dad are supposed to be where I can shelter. And for some of the people I've been working with, that hasn't been the case. But being able to say, well, although you had the space we thought you would be in isn't where you are now, <laughs> finding the joy in where no, we are. Yeah. 
I thought you were talking about physical space too. Like your room gone. Oh we don't, no, no. That, that, I, we actually have. We, yes. Dr. Robinson and I actually um, have been supporting students, and there is there are people for whom there is no space. They literally are having to, <clears throat> to sleep on the floor. Yeah. Um, and when we say safety, we we're, we 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 are talking about in every capacity. Wiley yeah. uh, is a safe space for our students, where uh, they've been able to explore their identity in many ways, who they are as an intellect, who they are um, as a faith person, um, wh- whether they're exploring uh, not just Christianity, but any other, something that was different from home, uh, exploring their sexuality, exploring their vocation. And they, this was a safe space to discern and mm-hmm. explore. And some of them have had to return back to homes, in quotation marks, that um, it's not safe to explore. It's not safe to question. Um, it's, it's, it's not safe to uh, be different in any capacity um and and this isn't a place of safety for you you going out and getting a job too and you're risking your life to make sure there's food on this table too so you're gonna go become an essential employee out there too i hadn't i hadn't thought about um man that layer of a student who may have came to school this semester or last semester and found themselves mm-hmm. and had the license and the agency and the comfort to be themselves and now have to go back home. Yep. Abruptly. And to be honest, you know, and maybe we've been honest this whole call, but Dr. Lundy and I had worked with a few students on plans of how to have particular conversations with loved ones when the semester was over. Um, you know, for those who. Um, wow. So they, they weren't mentally ready to, to have, have that, that conversation as soon as it and at this point to, to be quite honest for some of my students I did recommend let's not have this conversation right now we have to prioritize the need mm. and the need is for your physical safety right now which I don't want you to compromise by identifying yourself as gay which might be problematic in that household and so which would create another layer of uh, stress yes and so the stressor so it's at this point some some of our students and people in society you've had to choose the lesser of of evils you know um yes we yes here at wiley college you can and i mean and from i can even say for myself some of these students came and became this intellect but you now you better than us when you get home because mm-hmm. you done read a book. Mm-hmm. You know you 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 did some traveling. You exposed, and so now you got to go home and play dumb. You know, not use the language that you've been taught to use here at Wiley College, so you're not coming across like you being better than anybody else. And since you done went to school for so long, you need to get out there and get a job. You know, mm-hmm. that old political science or that criminal justice ain't gonna pay the bills. You need to be out there at Walmart. And so <laughs> that's what I mean. That safety. I'm not yeah. even talking about sexuality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like all the components for some of our students who maybe came back this. And they started exploring different traditions and are able to, I know for me, some of the, the concerns and not even concerns. you know, I, had, I, I teach the students faith formation and development. And you, you ask questions of the text. Oh, you don't go home asking the, the, your mom and your pastor questions about the church. Now you can't. So now I need you to pull that in. Even yeah. though I taught you, you know, that the first persons to see Christ risen were women. When you go home, just say Jesus is risen. But it's about choosing the lesser of evils for the prioritization of what's most important for your safety yeah right right now what matters is surviving um and not that nothing else matters but what really matters right now is surviving and getting past corona i would imagine and that's where you know the anxiety that everybody has everybody's focused on really surviving you know, trying to get back to when we can go back outside and play. When when we talked earlier about trauma, um, trauma recovery, ha- the first stage is um, to create safety. Uh, and in order to feel safe, you have to feel like you're going to survive. So I'm, I'm, mm. I'm connecting with you on that. Um, and so we're still in the we have we are still in the early stage of trauma recovery. And again, um, many of our students and those in our lives, they're still they still don't feel safe. They still have people around them who are contracting the virus. Mm. They themselves are concerned if they may be contracting the virus. And um, until we can get to a place where the 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 curve flattens and we start to see things subside, we're going to be in this hypervigilant yeah. space, and or or we are prone to being in the hypervigilant space. Yeah. I do know we're going to move at some point in our conversation to talk about Not if they keep telling people to open up the country and go back outside and play to, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, people in Georgia I, getting haircuts right now. Listen, go home. Yeah, I had a friend on on Instagram getting her toes done, and I just recoiled. They they are actually in the healthcare field, and I was like, oh no, don't. So your toes are that important right now? Mm. Yeah. Wow. You know, this, but one could argue that people are close to damn near breaking down mentally. Gotta get out the house. Need some sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what would compel people to ignore science right now and Dr. Fauci. Because that's my uh, litmus test. If Dr. Fauci <laughs> say we can go outside and play, I'm going outside and play. I'm not trying to hear anything from anybody else. Uh, period. Fauci is it for me. He is the litmus test and, and everything else. But... I'm not condoning it. I'm certainly not going to do it and would, would recommend that everybody, you know, sit down um, and relax. I've wanted to say it a different way. Please say it. Uh, Please. Sit their asses Please. down somewhere. Um, but, but, you know. But we haven't even talked about that. Um, that hasn't come up in our conversation today about how hard it is for people to to sit, to be still, to be um, present well, with themselves. It finds me, like, for me, I don't even know why that is an option. There's this insidious gas or disease out yonder Mm -hmm. that if you go out, the propensity of you meeting that insidious uh, disease. But that perspective integrates the, 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 that you have a healthy sense of fear um, because you have a healthy sense of fear of contracting the virus. There, there's this part of us I'm that just, says that just we won't. sounds like average reasonable person to me. Average <laughs> reasonable person would put two mm, and two together. No. Look, Trey Felton, seven years old, clear about what can and can't happen right now. If we are riding in the car, should we have our gloves and our mask on? No, we shouldn't. But if you get out of the car, Dad, you're definitely going to put those on, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it for me. When he, at seven, Mm -hmm. could articulate the need to ensure that I didn't do anything to infect him or his family, Mm -hmm. a grown person telling me that they're having problems with sitting down and sitting their asses down um, is just difficult for me. That's a conversation that my brain is not prepared to have. Yeah. But I will listen, but I will put my <laughs> mic on you. But the, again, you have a healthy fear. There are some people who still don't believe, they believe this is a conspiracy. Oh, yeah, There's, yeah. There, okay, this is, okay, this I see is, that angle. You know, if persons have not, um, you know, internalized that, no, actually something is going on here, and that regardless of how I think it began. And 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 the whole Jesus is greater than uh, coronavirus. Bruh. Again, those, so then Okay, Dr. Robinson. Yeah. We Sorry, gotta guys, talk I passed out. Y'all couldn't see it, but I was going. I, I'm called, it a, I yeah. called it a healthy fear. And then, you know, we might move into this conversation of faith over fear, right? Whether or not if I if I believe that, that the virus could, um, I could contract it and I could get sick, then is my am I not um, trusting God? You know, the, those are some of the same people who are going outside, not listening to... to <laughs> To the CDC. So to the Christians, sit your ass down somewhere too. Yes. Isn't there a place in the Bible that talks about being prudent and practical? Please. I'm just curious because I'm an infant in that Bible. But I did see that part. Listen, y'all. The Lord, Jesus only told one ass he had need need of it. And it was the donkey coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The rest of y'all, sit your asses down still somewhere. He says, render unto Caesar, which means pay attention to the government do what the government has asked you listen faith over break that, 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 that just y'all got to come break on that just, one more time render break that. unto caesar render unto caesar y'all remember the parable and this is so great during the liturgical calendar we're in we just got past resurrection sunday so mm-hmm. we remember the passion Some narrative folks going of into christ Ramadan. yes yes, yes today's right? the first day or yes, the, it is. yesterday was the first well, day well beginning at sunset last night yes yes right and so you know you all have to remember Jesus was born, lived on this earth to live the life just like us and rendered. And he tells his disciples and his people, render unto Caesar what should be given to Caesar. Meaning, respect the rules that are of the house of the government and handle your business. And even for those after Jesus was resurrected, return back to their job as fishermen. Listen, all I'm saying to you is this, that illness does exist. Pandemics do exist. Plagues do exist. Jesus was persecuted so that we don't have to be persecuted. So that whole going out and this is not against my my faith. I'm not going to be living in the spirit of fear. No, but, but the Lord did ask me to be smart. 
He says, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, mm. and your soul. So there are so many biblical foundations and reason for you to follow and abide by this. The Lord created science. Respect the field. Sit down somewhere. Your hope needs to be held on in your house. Right there. Right. Because remember, y'all, I told y'all I was in house 10 days and didn't even notice. But yeah. the Lord was resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> so um, cutting across the field. That's what the preachers say. That's what they, the preacher, that's Rudolph <laughs> Waldo McKissick Jr. to be specific. Yes. Bishop Dr. Yes. Reverend Rudolph. Cutting across the field. Yes, at Bethel Baptist Institutional yes. Church down there Holy in Jacksonville. Headquarters. Yes, the place that I gave my life to the Lord. Yes. <laughs> but it was Pastor Senior at the time, but Pastor Junior was wee. Um, he was there. But um, it's a segue for y'all, party people who ain't been to church, uh, where the pastor says, let me cut across the field. Um, what are we leaving uh, with this this conversation? This is, uh, again, this is gray matters. Uh, I failed miserably at my job. And, um, well, this and, is the first time I think people are going to be hearing that, that uh, is about it, gray matters. Is mm -hmm. it? Well, you know, then we mm -hmm. have to, yeah, yeah. Well, Gray Matters is really a podcast that will be brought to you at times. Uh, Dr. Ray Lundy will be here um, and she will be uh, flying solo. And at times, Dr. Dominique Robinson will be here flying solo. And at times they'll be together um, It with the uh, exclusion of myself. Uh, Gray Matters is something that we're really excited about. Um, hosting on the four thoughts of our founders here at Health. Um, and today was one of the first conversations, and I'm certain because we're in COVID and there are uh, a variety of different things that are going on, um, we're going to put a bow on this conversation, but we will have many others uh, as we transition and dip, uh, get ready to dip. Uh, what are some of the things that you would like to leave folks with um, just to, um, you know, help them ease their minds from a mental perspective and then Dr. Robinson from, you know, a spiritual space? I would say that this is a time for us to get reconnected with our roots. Uh, we are collectivist people. We thrive in community um, and as a community, Things like um, music, um, our spirituality, um, there are things that we inherently are do as a community that are going to be a part of our resilience. And so um, when I think about uh, dancing, that's one of the things that brings me joy. And also um, as a part of who I am as a black woman. Um, just movement like dance and can can shift the anxiety in the space in a room. It can um, remind me to connect to my body and release. We talked a lot today about anxiety. So just moving and being connected to that is, is something I would encourage people to do. I would, there are three things, how we eat, how we sleep, and how um, we move. Those three things, if if we can focus on that, we can improve our mood, we can create a sense of safety. Eat, sleep, and move. Eat, sleep, move. So get good sleep as best you can. Um, um, and what you're eating, so something to consider is that with, um, with the decrease in processed food, we probably will eat, um, sleep better. So the fact that we can't go out and eat out as much as we typically do, that we've reduced the amount of processed food we're having. Processed food causes mood concerns. Processed food also contributes to um, insomnia, digestive issues. And so we've talked today a lot about some of the things that we've lost. But one of the things we will gain, gain. is likely we will be healthier at yeah. the end of this. Yeah. Um, we will be physically healthier. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to be leaving y'all. I might, uh, you know, be on that next top model. Because uh, <laughs> Corona has been good to me. Y'all, the way Dr. <laughs> just burst out laughing. She couldn't even contain. So I was talking about movement, <laughs> sleeping. Well, that's and movement too, and, and feeling healthy and all that good yes, stuff. Like I've is. lost some some weight. Yes. So I, I mean, Corona has been good to me. Yeah, those yeah. three things. Many of us will be experiencing yeah. weight loss. Um, and we will, and for me, I have digestive issues sometimes connected with anxiety, but also because I don't always eat the best. Now my stomach has been doing a lot better. Hey, you don't need to lose no more weight, woman. I have, 
Yeah, okay. We won't talk about it. But None I was of us lo- do, I, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was losing weight because I was moving a little too much. So I had to up my, my, my diet intake. But again, eat, sleep, move, doing those things in healthy doses, I would encourage us to do. And just connect. When I say connect back to our roots, we, um, as people, we, we're resilient. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good job. Good, good job. job. Good job. Oh, thank what you got for us, Doc? Listen. We have to shift our mindset, which helps shift our spirit, right? Don't ask why. Mm. Let God handle the why. Mm -hmm. We need to work on the how. How do we navigate this space in this time? Now, the old saints will tell you, you ain't even got to ask how because you know God's going to make a way. But let me tell you, really, get back to places of prayer, meditation, journaling, laughing, uh, practice of gratitude. What are what are you grateful for today? Pause and ask yourself that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old saints would say, count your blessings. When you start cl- counting your blessings, you forget how much the enemy is attacking. So mm. start counting your blessings. Again, laughter is good for the soul. That's scripture too, right? So find ways to laugh. Get back to a place where you're starting to love yourself mm. so much that that agape love permeates through the people you connect with virtually or in person. And so it's my encouragement to you to get back again, like Dr. Lenny said, to the basics, to the roots. We were a people of color, snatched from our motherland. We worship God in the diverse tongues in the middle passage. And here we are in these United States of America. Remember to keep worshiping God in the midst of it because God is still in control. There is absolutely nothing else to say after that. This has been four thoughts of our founders. The Higher Education Leadership Foundation's podcast, Gray Matters. Gray Matters with Dr. Ray Lundy and Dr. Dominique Robinson. We're so grateful to have them with us, uh, to be on this journey with us, not just in um, higher ed leadership, but in faith and in wellness. want to thank you both for being here today. Look forward to uh, catching up with them. Uh, be on the lookout for Gray Matters. Um, hope you all are well. Hope you're staying safe. Sit your asses down um, and join some loyalty clubs. <laughs>